Welcome to the NBA Front Office Show, bringing you inside rumors and transactions around the league with your hosts, Keith Smith and Trevor Lane. Brought to you by LakersNation.com and CLNS Media. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the NBA Front Office Show. We break down all the transactions around the NBA, and this is really the exciting time of year because we are heading into free agency, all kinds of things happening, trades and deals and things like that. Plenty to dig into. Joining me, as always, is Keith Smith. Keith, thanks so much for hopping on. We're both somehow still standing here. Yeah, man, I, I think the uh, draft really kicked both of our butts. We, well, both of us came out of that thing with one of those brutal summer colds. That so that's why, why, why you've had it a little bit of a delay getting the next episode up here. You know, in case you were wondering where we went, we're still here, but I, I think we're feeling good now. We're ready to to dive into free agency starting here in just a yeah. What are we four or five days away? Yeah, exactly. We're we're counting down till free agency begins, and thankfully, again, as we've we've said a few times already, June thirtieth. At 6 p.m. Eastern time, no more of that July 1st at midnight stuff. We're actually going to get maybe a little bit of sleep. <laughs> yeah, that's really important for me being an East Coast guy living in Orlando. I, I really like that idea of especially where it's a Sunday night and work the next day and all that stuff. And it works out quite well for me to six o'clock. I, you know, get my get my honeydew list done early in the day and then tell the family, see you later. I'll all be right. hanging out in the office, post it up. I've done the same thing. I have warned my wife. I said, look. Three o'clock Pacific time when that when, when it hits that just know I'm going to be in lockdown mode and so they're well aware. All right, so what we're going to do today is we're going to go team by team. We're going to go through. We're going to start with the Eastern Conference. Tomorrow we'll hit the Western Conference. We're going to go team by team. We're going to break down a little bit of what they did to the draft, how much cap space they have moving forward, and then what we expect them to be doing in free agency. So let's kick things off with a team that's been pretty active. The Atlanta Hawks, they've made a number of trades already. They've got a couple of interesting draft picks, some young, exciting players. This is really a team to to watch for here in the future. Yeah, definitely. The Hawks are, you know, they're they're making moves. I think they're probably a year away from being really getting after it. I think, you know, we, we see that by them taking on the contracts of Alan Crabb and Solomon Hill in trades that right at leading up to the draft and then Evan Turner this week they picked him up to Turner Kent Bazemore swap we'll talk a little bit more about it but that was more of an old school basketball trade versus anything related to the cap because there wasn't enough yeah. cap savings I thought for matter. sure like something else was going to get attached okay somebody's at least getting a second rounder because it's so rare to just see a player for player swap with two very similar salaries and they're both kind of wing players I mean they do different things but it, it, it was so simple that it was shocking yeah, yeah, it is a little. We we don't get those very often. No. There's you know there's uh, most NBA teams will tell you eighty percent or more of the trades involve the cap for one or both teams. Mm-hmm. It's done done for that reason. So it really is you know kind of interesting to see the way this is going to play out and lay out, and we'll we'll see where it goes. So I'm um, you know really looking forward to you know seeing what Atlanta's plan is beyond this because they've got about thirteen point six million left in salary cap space. So that's a good amount of money i don't expect them to use that to sign anybody even resembling anything towards a a big name maybe maybe they'll use it to fill out their roster similar to what they've done the last few years with Dwayne deadman and then alex len they could use another center behind len because i don't think they're going to retain deadman i think that's just going to get too expensive he'll move on so that's going to give them you know they're they're kind of in the spot where they've got all their kids you know, and they added a couple more at the draft, and and then they've got Turner, Crab, and Hill. Hill's probably not going to play very much. 
challenge and be able to add another veteran or two and and see. I don't think they're far away from a playoff push, but like I said at the beginning, they're probably another year away of development, especially for other young kids. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think they are. And I like what they did in the draft in terms of, of getting Hunter. Uh, nice fit there. I love the upside potential of Cam Reddish, so I think that was that was fine for them. I don't necessarily like the trade to move up to four, but if they if they knew that Hunter was not going to fall to them, then okay, I guess I'm I'm fine with that. But uh, but looking at their cap room, yeah, I don't see them using it on any particular player. They're not in a rush to win right now or anything. This isn't their window to win. Instead, what I think that they're going to do is they're going to use that salary cap space to absorb a few more contracts. And in particular, I'm looking at my Los Angeles Lakers if they're trying to move or if they need to move the contract of Mo Wagner, Isaac Bonga, uh, players like that, Jamario Jones. Atlanta makes a natural landing spot because they're already involved in that trade with the Pelicans. So I could see the Hawks actually trying to extract more assets using that salary cap space that way by absorbing some salaries from other teams rather than going out and trying to sign legit players for their own squad. Yeah, that, that's exactly what I think is going to happen. I, I think they are they're more or less set now. It's going to be... They'll start, my guess is something like Len and Collins, and maybe they don't go with Hunter right off day one or Reddish day one. Maybe that's Turner spot or Crab spot there around Herter and Young. And then you've got whoever doesn't start out of Turner and Crab, and then Hunter and Reddish. So those are your bench guys. Sounds like their idea is Turner's going to be primarily their backup point guard, which is how they're going to use him, which is I actually think his yeah, best role. That's not bad. I think he can do that. Yeah, absolutely. He's big. You know, he can see over any defense. I like the idea of playing him with Trey Young some, too, and mm-hmm. letting Young work off the ball a little bit. So I think that'll be really exciting. But, yeah, I don't expect them to do much. And I like you touched on, I, I do expect that trade between the Pelicans and the Lakers to be expanded to pull the Hawks in. It becomes a true three-team trade. And I would love it for Atlanta to take, take Take a flyer on Wagner and, and Bonga and see what you got. Maybe they, they pan out for you and you know, you're looking pretty good going forward with a couple additional assets there because there's really no no reason not to. If no. you're Atlanta right now, you might might as well. Those, those guys are cheap enough. They're locked up under team control for a couple years. You know, go, go in and see, and if they're not good, then you can just move on from them pretty easily. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's there's very little risk on the Hawks' part in doing something like that. Um, Keith, let's, let's move on to the team that you know so well. The Boston Celtics, who are, are a surprisingly a team that's looking like they're going to have some some cap space given what's going on with, with Kyrie Irving and Al Horford. But I guess before we get into them, did you like what they did in the draft? I, I did. I, I thought they, I knew there was no way they were coming away with three first rounders. They they were very clear about that going in. That's just too many rookies. A lot of people say, why not? You know, and one of the things you have to be cautious of is Let's say everything goes great and those guys all pan out and they're all awesome. Well, then what you have happen there is you end up with your salary cap sheet becomes a mess because you have to pay them all at the same time. So, and I apologize, I just moved my mic a little closer. Hopefully, that's a little better. Um, I'm pretty loud anyway. But anyway, it's you, 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 you don't want to have that situation because it's going to make things messy. So, so trading out of the one pick to pick up a future pick down the line, that's fine with me. I really like the idea of adding 
Romeo Langford. I think that's an upside play. Didn't shoot it real well in his freshman year at Indiana, mostly I think because he was struggling through the thumb injury. So we'll see what that you know ultimately pans out to be. But the NBA is a wings game now, so adding as many talented wings as you can is important. I think Grant Williams will be solid for them. He's kind of a tweener big, you know, not really yeah. super big enough to be a, a five, small five, but definitely can play the power forward spot, maybe even play a little bit of the three. So, so I think he's going to be pretty good. And then the two guards in the second round, Carson Edwards and Tremont Edwards, uh, Waters, those will be fun guys. Edwards, the guy who can really fill it up as a scorer, and Waters, really good shooter and a playmaker. I think those two probably log a lot of G League minutes this coming season just to get them, you know, ready and transition to the NBA. But overall, I think all four picks really, you know, hit and, and I think they have a chance to be pretty good for the Celtics. Yeah. I I like what they did overall. I really like the Carson Edwards pick. I think that was a perfect spot to grab him at. I think that he's the kind of guy that can be that kind of microwave scorer off the bench. Like you said, maybe it's not right away, but eventually down the line, he can do those things. Now heading into free agency. Now, as long as like what a month ago we weren't thinking that the Celtics were going to have any cap space really to do anything with because they were going to have maybe Kyrie coming back and that was starting to become questionable but perhaps Al Horford was going to pick up that 30 million dollar player option on his contract and instead he has declined that option we thought at first he was going to renegotiate with Boston and he was going to come away with a new deal there instead now it sounds like he's looking elsewhere and so suddenly the Celtics have room to play with and the rumor that just came out this morning was that they might be a, according to, to Mark Stein, a stealth suitor. I love terminology in the NBA. A <laughs> right, stealth so suitor great. for Kemba Walker <laughs> from the Charlotte Hornets. Keith, what do you think about all of that? Can can they really swoop, uh, swoop in and steal Kemba away, and should they? Yeah, so the the thing, well, we'll talk about Charlotte in a minute here, and we can get more into it mm-hmm. than, than on the Kemba side for their side, but they can offer him the Supermax. So first, it has to be, will they, won't they? Right. What's that going to look like? And does he, he, he pass that up or not? So that'll be interesting. But I think what you have to really focus on with Kemba, with the Celtics, is he immediately comes in, he slides into the Kyrie Irving role. As a you know, scoring guard, ball dominant guy, he's pretty a better smooth transition there. Which, by by the way, not to interrupt, but pretty smooth transition between Irving and Kemba. I mean, not the exact same player, but they're similar enough to where that it wouldn't be that jarring of a transition from one to the other. No, it wouldn't be, and I think you also have the benefit of. Kyrie is really, really good. Don't get me wrong. You know, great playmaker. Mm-hmm. But Kemba is probably a little bit better off the ball. So I think you could run some sets where you're where you're using him off the ball and designing plays that are primarily for Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, which you can't really do with Kyrie because Kyrie's not great off the ball. He right. needs to have the ball to be to be his most effective. So yeah, so in order to get Kemba though, they're gonna have to basically clear the decks of all their free agents. So that is, you know, Irving and Horford either renounced or they right. signed elsewhere. Uh, that would mean losing Terry Rozier and his restricted free agent rights. That's something that the vast majority of the Celtics fan base would be okay with because he really had a poor year. And he made those comments too about not Absolutely. not wanting to come back. I mean, I don't remember. Yeah. exactly what he said but essentially he made it known that he's probably not coming back uh, yeah, maybe that changes with Kyrie gone right? yeah yeah so so if you if you go that direction let, let's face it Kemba that contract's probably going to be bad by the end right by, by the, year four yeah yeah by year four yeah and that's the max Celtics can can sign him for his four years but you you look at I look at it as if you get two to a really good year a good year an average year and a bad year that's fine 
you know, that's that's you, you, you're paying a little bit down the line for your know, performance earlier in the deal. So I think that works out, you know, just fine. So I it's it's one of those things where I'm not sure this is the way it all goes. But what should have Celtics fans hardened is they've got a lot of options yeah. this summer. Now, it's not it's not all woe is me and we lost our all stars and these guys are gone. There's a lot of options to do different things. And that's really important for them going forward. Now, if, if they don't get Kemba, let's say they don't get any of the top tier guys for whatever reason, whether it's still there's a little bit ill will out there over the way that everything broke with Isaiah Thomas or, or whatever. That was what we heard with the Anthony Davis situation. For whatever reason, let's say the top guys don't go to Boston. How do they pivot? Yeah, what I was told yesterday is that they are a team that's likely to kind of pull a nets out of their hat and start signing Which is ironic, restrictive, isn't it? <laughs> right? I know. Yeah, it's so weird. It's like they're gonna play trading spaces here, um, you know, in the next next, uh, you know, over the span of a yeah. couple short years. So, so that's what it sounds like. Is they'll play the restricted free agent game. Couple names that were thrown at me are Malcolm Brogdon and then Thomas mm-hmm. Bryant, Tomas Sadoransky from the Wizards. Yeah. A couple guys who could definitely help them. You know couple of point guards there and then a big man so we'll see a you know it's it again i go back to there's all sorts of options here then one thing that's really important to note is danny ainge is not gonna he's not gonna go quietly into that good night with you know a whole ton of cap space it's gonna be he's gonna do something whether it's something unforeseen or it's something you know that we all see coming like now with this kind of thing he's definitely going to be active and involved and and they were very clear they're not rebuilding they are retooling they are building around what they have, and they expect to still be a pretty good team. Will he finally part with some of his young assets? I mean, that's been the big criticism is that they they haven't pulled the trigger. They've constantly had this treasure chest full of all these great assets, and then they've never quite turned it into something. So is the pressure now on Ainge to make a big move? Yeah, I don't think the pressure's on him necessarily to do that, but what I do think is they were obviously saving those, those uh, guys to trade for Anthony Davis. Right. That was the goal. And when that didn't happen, I don't think they're going to feel pressured into doing anything for a secondary guy or a guy who's not, you know, seen as a true superstar. And what what Angel do is now he'll flip it forward and say maybe these guys grow into that themselves, or we'll save them for when the next guy becomes available. And then we'll get involved there. So you know, and that and that's I know we all like to laugh about they were close to trading for <laughs> right. you know insert superstar here, but. I think there is something to be said for they set a price and they'll only go so far to try and get those guys. Yeah, and you know, credit to them for for sticking to their guns with that and and setting a limit and not overspending. Um, Speaking of a a team that will now, for at least the next, what, decade probably, be be forever linked to the Boston Celtics, the Brooklyn Nets. Um, The Nets have really turned things around, and I mean, things are buzzing right now in Brooklyn because they're talking about landing not just Kyrie Irving potentially, but Kevin Durant as well, they they got rid of their first round pick, so they didn't have that salary on the books. Um, so not a ton to talk about in their draft. I think they did okay buying a, a second rounder there. But other than that, the, the Brooklyn Nets seem to be really set up to be the major player here in free agency. Yeah, they really are. Well, what they're looking at right now is let's well, let's take it down the path of Kyrie and KD, which means that that's absolutely wiping every free agent off the books, as well as waiving Shabazz Napier and Trevion Graham, and that would free up about sixty-eight point six million in cap space. Now that's a little shy. That that's is, not yeah, exactly that's what you need. So, so from there, I think what you're looking at is can they find it find trades for Rodian's Kirks? 
or John on Musa, those kind of guys. They're, they'd be looking at a deal. Probably those two guys either together or in separate trades off to somebody. Those two guys are young guys with upside. Mm-hmm. So it's almost kind of similar to the Lakers. Deal of, you know, no, exactly. Shouldn't be an issue. Someone will take them on. Yeah. You know, so someone who who can, you know, either through through a trade exception or cap space, absorb them, just take a flyer and and figure it out. So that's that's their path to get there to to that uh, max space. We're hearing DeAndre Jordan. So my assumption yeah. would be the goal is Irving and Durant with cap space and then Jordan via the room exception. Mm-hmm. And that's what they do. So so we'll see you know, ultimately where where all that goes. Um, you know, it's uh you know gonna be gonna be um you know really kinda an interesting summer for Brooklyn because there is a sense out there of we just saw Boston do this. Is this the best way to go? Because right. if it isn't, what are you thinking about here? So so it's kind of going to be really curious, especially knowing KD can't play for a year. Yeah, I mean, with KD out, look, I still give him that max deal just because he's Kevin Durant. And even if he's 85% of Kevin Durant post-injury, that's still a very, very, very good player. That's an elite player. And so you, I think you go ahead and you do it. But let's say that Brooklyn decides to hold off on Kevin Durant. Let's say Kyrie is still coming, but Kevin Durant, they go, oh, we're not sure with this Achilles injury thing. My question then becomes, what do you do with D'Angelo Russell? If you get Kyrie Irving and you still have all that space and you're not going to spend it on KD, do you go ahead and bring back Russell knowing that Irving is going to kind of usurp his role? Or what the heck do you do there? Yeah, if you bring back Russell, you have to then petition the NBA to allow you to play with two basketballs at once. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, you, it's just not going to work. It's it's that's it's two ball-dominant guys. And then some of their other guys, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, those are guys yeah. who are best with the ball in their hands as well. So I just don't see a way to make that work. So I think if they get Kyrie, D'Angelo Russell, I don't think D'Angelo Russell would really want to come back either. No. I think he would rather be somewhere else, you know, do, doing his thing elsewhere. There's a couple teams we'll talk about them as we go through the show that I think he would fit in quite well with. But yeah, I think that's where you move. And then I think think it's it becomes a question of do you overpay for a guy like a Tobias Harris and try to steal him away from Philly? Yeah. Or are you then taking the kind of spread it around approach and really fill out, you know, a good deep roster around the guys that you have? Cause because it's gonna be Kyrie and Cap Space or Kyrie and KD, it seems like is the way this is lining up for the Nets. Right, right. And you know what I, I can see people kind of cringing at the thought of just letting D'Angelo go without getting that other person in. But there's other things they can do with that money. Like you mentioned, Tobias Harris, I think would be a phenomenal phenomenal fit with the Nets, especially given the fact that he's only, what, I believe 26 years old. So that yeah. would be be a nice target for them as well. Um, either way, it sounds like they're getting Kyrie. It feels like everything is pulling in that direction. And then after that, we'll see what they do from there. Who knows? The Brooklyn Nets could be completely different by next season. You could be talking about a team with DeAndre Jordan, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving on it. Who would have imagined that even just a few months ago? Incredible stuff <laughs> from them. I, I can't believe the way things have broke for them. Um, from, from a team that has a ton to look forward to in the Brooklyn Nets, they've got cap space, they've got all this positive buzz around them to a team that just has, well, I guess buzz around them for another reason. Uh, the, (laughs) the Charlotte Hornets, I'm sorry, that was a terrible joke, but the Charlotte Hornets, my goodness, Keith, I mean, I, we can get into their draft, but this team's cap sheet is a mess. Yeah, it really is. I, um, it, it's tough. It's one of the things I like to mention a lot about the Hornets is Kemba Walker was their sixth highest paid player the last two seasons, each of the last two seasons, which is wild, right? Considering he's, he's their, their best, best player. player by far. 
by far and away. You know, there's a there's Kemba Walker. It's the you know well, I don't remember what it's from, but Kemba Walker, fifty feet of crap, and then there's you or whatever <laughs> that old old story is. That's what it it feels like a little bit in Charlotte. And you're, this, you're quoting Moneyball there. Is is that what it's from? That's yeah, Moneyball. Yep, that's when they're in the, they're I, I in knew, the, they're in the war in, room and they're talking about right. uh, about the difference oh, between the right. Yankees and the Red yeah. Sox and <laughs> yep. yeah, and then there's us. Yep. Yeah. Um. You know, it's I. Here's the tough thing with Charlotte. Here's where the supermax kind of backfires a little bit. Right. Is for that's Walker made All NBA, so he qualifies for it. Yep. But to commit two hundred plus two hundred twenty plus million dollars to a guy who will be thirty five at the end of that contract, that's really rough. That's yeah. or thirty four, I guess. Um, that's really hard, especially when you are carrying some other questionable salaries this year and next. That that becomes really tough. You're basically locking into the exact team you have now and saying, all right, well, we think this team can get it done. I'm not sure the Hornets are going to sign off on that. And that makes it really hard. That's why think teams like Boston or Dallas or maybe the Lakers are feeling like we can swing in there and make a throwing offer at Kemba and say, hey, I know it's less than what you could get paid, but they're never going to give you that that full Supermax anyway. Yeah. You know, why not come here? We're a better team, better position to win, whatever the case may be. Yeah, look, if you are the Charlotte Hornets, I mean, first of all, this is a scary proposition, giving Kemba Walker a Supermax. I mean, look, the, the John Wall situation is fresh in everyone's minds. I mean, the Supermax deal can go horribly wrong if you give it to a guy who you shouldn't. And really, I would think you only give it to what your top five, seven maybe players in yep. the NBA should get Supermax. Other than that, that Supermax deal can be a huge, huge burden for a team. And you look at what the Charlotte Hornets have got. Even without Kemba Walker, they are almost capped out, right? It's not like mm-hmm. it's not like they lose him and they suddenly have money to go spend because they have the contract of Batum. They have Biombo. They have Marvin Williams, Cody Zeller, Michael, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. All these guys that are just kind of eh as players, and they are taking up all of their cap space. So that's got to be, if you're Kemba Walker, he said some wonderful things about Charlotte. Talked to our friend Jarrett Weiss of The Athletic and said that there mm-hmm. are they are his priority is to return to Charlotte, and that's great. I have no problems with a guy wanting to stay with the team that drafted him and, and doing all those things and showing loyalty and all that. Wonderful. But here's the problem. Realistically, in terms of cap space, if the Hornets re-sign Kemba Walker, let's say they don't give him a Supermax. Let's say they just give him $32 million. Let's say he gets that. They can't put anyone else around him. They have no money left to spend. They will actually be over the tax line, which means they might have to even cut a little bit of salary. Mitch Kupchak the other day talked about that, about how they might need to shed some contracts to get under the tax because why pay the tax for a team that's probably not playoff bound? It's a tough spot to be in. I mean, if you're Charlotte, do you lose your best player in Kemba Walker or do you sign him and you're stuck in this impossible position where you you can't win and you can't you can't do anything to improve the team around him? I don't know. It's looking rough in Charlotte to me. Yeah, it really is. And the, the other sad part is they just don't have a point guard ready to step in behind him. No. Either they, they've got, you know, Devontae Graham, I like him a lot, but, it, but he's, you know, probably caps out as a backup. In the NBA, Tony Parker's obviously going to retire. So that leaves them. Then they're in the market. Now this is a good year to be looking for a point guard because there's a lot of point guards on the market and there's not not enough of them that are going to get paid. So that's fine. But but that really does become a challenge. The other thing that they got to kind of be rattling around their head too is Jeremy Lamb, key guy for them, mm-hmm. also a free yep. agent, was a starter for the majority of this year, but was really good, probably his – well, not probably, definitely his best NBA year yep. that he's had. So, so you got to be thinking about that as well. Now, now you're looking at let's say 
they do say, you know what, we're going to bring back Kemba, we're going to bring back Jeremy Lamb. Now you've got eight guys, probably 10-plus million. That's really tough to, to work around. They're just going to – it's going to be impossible for them to build it out. There is a big part of me that says this is the time to go ahead and say, Kemba, thanks for everything you did. You can get a big offer with a contender. Take it. We're going to be happy for you. We'll celebrate you. And, you know, we're going to wait it out though over the next year. After this upcoming season, things start to clear up. A couple yep. of those contracts drop off, and you start to build build it out going forward. Cause it, but, but if you've got you know, Walker and Batum next year at, you know, combined $60 million or so, that, that's just that's impossible to work around. Yeah, they're, they're totally stuck. And, look, if I agree with you 100%, 100%. I think it's time to bite the bullet and just tear it down. And that's, that's yep. all they can really do at this point. It didn't work. Um, look, Kemba Walker and Jeremy Lamb, you're talking about 40, over 40 points per game right now of, of yeah. their scoring. That is a, that is hitting free agency and they don't have the money to spend on them. It's, it's a tough spot. And, and look, if you're Kemba Walker and you're looking at this, you're thinking, okay, I, I'm not going to be able to win in the future. I'm in my prime right now. That's his incentive to go ahead and look elsewhere as loyal as he may be to Charlotte. I think it might be best for as, as great as of the stories it would be for Kemba to play his entire career with the Hornets. You look at the situation, it might be best for him and best for the franchise for them to part ways here. Yeah, absolutely. And the other unfortunate thing is, as we kind of close the book on the Hornets, yeah. is the young talent on the roster just isn't really there. I like Miles Bridges. I, I'm still a huge fan of him. I think he's going to be really, really good. I was actually higher on him coming into the draft than most people were. I, you'll learn this as you listen to the show. I have this weird affinity for Michigan State players. <laughs> I don't know why. I never went there or anything. I'm not really. I, I don't know why, but I think they're all going to be good. Um, that includes guys like Brendan Dawson, if you remember that name, blast from the past, stunk and oh, washed man. out of the league pretty quickly. But <laughs> but I think Bridges will be pretty good. And then this year's first round pick, PJ Washington. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe he's a league average power forward. I'm not not entirely sure what to expect from him. He's not and, somebody who's overly excited about. Yeah, for where they drafted him, that's absolutely fine, and that that gives them a couple young forwards. But but backcourt wise, they just don't have a whole heck of a lot coming down the pipe that looks really good. All right, so let's let's move on from uh, whatever the, the Hornets have right now. Let's move <laughs> on to um, the next team up is the Chicago Bulls. Whatever the Chicago Bulls have. Whatever the Chicago <laughs> Bulls have. I mean, the, the Bulls are in an interesting spot, too. You know, I like some of their young talent that they've got. Grabbing Kobe White in the draft at number seven, I thought that was totally fine. That's a that's a pretty solid pick, I think, for them. I, I had some uh, uh, Bulls fans asking me before the draft, what should they do? And I said, you know what, Stan, stay where you're at. Seven, somebody's going to drop to you. And sure enough, there was Kobe White sitting for the, sitting there for them to grab. Uh, Otto Porter is a little bit overpaid, perhaps, for what he brings, but he's still a solid piece. I like Zach Levine moving forward. I think they've got the makings of something here, but I, I wonder what this all turns into. I mean, of course, Lowry Markkinen, we, you got to like what he provides, but does this turn into a real playoff contender at some point down the line? I feel like there's a few pieces that are missing for them to get there. Yeah, I, you know, that's kind of a bummer. I wanted you to really hate on them because I wanted to be able to, you know, have a debate here, but, <laughs> but I'm kind of in the same boat. I think the biggest thing that they need this year is they need a healthy season because you need to see how all these guys fit yeah. together. Last year was such a waste for them because a guy would get hurt, he'd come back, and another guy would go out, and another guy would go out. And I don't, I don't know that they played any games together with, with the presumed starting five of – Don Levine, Porter, Markinen, and Carter. I'm fairly certain they didn't. 
Yeah, hey, matter of fact, I'm almost positive they didn't because of when they acquired Porter late in the year. So, right, yeah. so we'll see. I I did like the Kobe White pickup as well. I think I'm a Chris Dunn fan still. I think you know I still think he can be a pretty good player. Um, interesting note thing to know: uh, White and Dunn both have the same agent. So that's a little little odd. Yeah. Um, there and now they're going to be know, fighting for the same position. Yeah, for the same spot. And yo, know, and obviously Dunn's like, well, you don't think I'm your long term guy if you draft another guy at my spot. Right. But I think out of the two of them, they're going to get a good point guard. I, I just don't don't know which one it'll be necessarily. I'm with you. I think Zach Levine gets hated on a lot for what he isn't, without recognizing what he is, which is a pretty good score. Yeah. I think you know he he can score and that still has value. I like Otto Porter quite a bit as a versatile you know three who can also play some four. And I love Carter and Markin, and I just want to see them together, just to find out like does yeah. it work playing the two of them together? That's the important thing. So I think for the Bulls. It's probably going to be another long season. They're probably not. They 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 project to have about twenty million or twenty one million in space, but I don't know what they're going to do with it. I, I wouldn't be in a huge rush to do a whole lot with it. Maybe you know you add a couple veterans. I'd like to see them add some more shooting, especially coming off the bench. They they could use that. I'd like to see another big who can step out on the floor alongside um, Markinen at times or to back up Markinen. They, they they should be a team that should be doing some second draft guys. Yes. You know, maybe maybe Great guys call. like you know, one or two year deal for guys like Trey Lyles or Dragon Bender mm-hmm. could make a lot of sense for them. And you know, bring guys there and see see if you can get something out of them in your system and development. And so I think it's gonna be another tough year, but the important thing about this year is do these pieces all fit together? That's the question you have to answer. Because otherwise, a year from now, you need to be thinking about how you're going to break it up. Right. Yeah, that, that's exactly what they need to do. They need to be in fact-finding mode this season and figure out yeah. what's going to work for them and what's not. I'm still a fan of Denzel Valentine. I think he can be a nice fit for them. Uh, Wendell Carter, you know, going back to even last year's summer league, there were moments where when Wendell Carter was on the floor, you would see him just time a block perfectly, and it was just so different. It was on a different level than what you saw from most of the guys that were out there on the floor. I think he can be a real player for him, and he's kind of getting overlooked at this point. Um, and we know he got hurt last year, so he's a guy I think can be a real nice fit moving forward too. I like- it's easy to see where those Al Horford comps yes, come in for 100%. There, there's a lot of Horford in his game. A hundred percent. The other thing that I'll add is that Otto Porter, yeah, he's getting paid a lot, but he's that guy where if your team takes the leap, if they make, make the right moves and they jump up to the next level where they are a playoff contender, I think he becomes even more valuable when you've got mm-hmm. better players or improving players around him that can free up open shots for him. So I think he's a nice piece moving forward if they assume that they are, go- they are going to make the leap to the next level within the next year or two. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, he's got the chance to to really kind of blossom here a little more. I know that sounds a little weird for his stage of his career, but I think they're going to put a lot of scoring responsibility on him. And I think he's up to it. You know, and he's obviously their best, maybe only wing defender, um, you know, because Levine's right. not overly interested no. in that side of the ball. But but I do. I, I think they've got a chance to, to do some stuff there in Chicago that'll, you know, really um, – you know, start to set a good foundation for for coming up. Unlike the next team we're talking about, who I think it's going to be a complete lost year, and who the heck knows, right? In Cleveland, yeah. So <laughs> so let's talk about that. The the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, you know what? I, my guy in the draft was Darius Garland. That was the guy where I thought, you know, hey, if if my Lakers were keeping the fourth pick, I wanted Darius Garland. I am so intrigued by his potential. And Cleveland was probably the last place that for him to go personally. Like they, they already have their point guard of the future in Colin Sexton. I know they're saying, "Oh, it's gonna be like like Lillard and CJ all over again." 
it, it's reminding me so much of the Wolves years ago saying that they were going to play uh, Ricky Rubio and uh, – Gosh, who was the other point guard? Yeah, Johnny played? Flynn. Johnny Flynn, that's it. The, oh, yeah. no, we're going to play the two of them together. We totally intended to do this. Everything's going to be great. I'm getting that vibe a little bit. I, I don't necessarily like the fit there in Cleveland. They're they're kind of stuck in in cap space hell with the remnants of the, the LeBron signings and the fact that they gave that huge uh, contract to Kevin Love. I just I think it's going to be a rough year for the Cavs, which may actually benefit them because their pick's going to be protected this next season. Yeah, I think they're going to be absolutely awful. I think, you know, there is little to no chance that they are good. I think they're going to do everything they can to try and find a trade for Kevin Love. And I think you might see these teams who miss out on adding somebody this summer. Maybe they look and say, you know what, Kevin Love's not the worst idea in the world. And I tend to agree. I think Kevin Love still has some, you know, good basketball in front of him. But so look how many years I, he has left on that contract. That, that's that, that's, that's going to be the yeah. problem. Yeah, it only just is now kicking in that four-year extension. So so that, that's going to be tough. But, you know, I think I liked Garland as well. I think he was maybe the third best player, but definitely in my mind he was the fourth best player coming into this draft. I think he can do a lot of things. I do worry about him and Sexton together. I'm not exactly sure that that's the fit that I would want. So we'll see where that goes goes in the end because i do think that has a potential to be really really messy but i what what i worry about too is what does that do to some of the other younger guys on the roster that you're kind of trying to evaluate and figure out like jetty osman ante zizic a couple of their other draft picks in the first round dylan windler and kevin porter jr if you've got the point guards trying to figure it out themselves that's gonna be tough now i will say it is important to note that that with point guards Everybody needs is transitioning and trying to get to a spot where they have two ball handlers on the floor at all time and two guys who can make plays off off the bounce and do things that that is really really important. But it'll be interesting to see if Cleveland can make that mesh because Damon CJ took a little bit to get there, but you're also talking about what's Dame top ten player in the league, right? And CJ's CJ's you know top twenty maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, he's right, right on that, you know, outside, you know, of, of maybe. that. I mean, he's, yeah, he, right. but they're both extremely talented. Absolutely. So that's the that's the tough part. Now, yeah. maybe it works out. I mean, maybe we're all sitting here, you know, six months from now, a year from now, and saying, geez, you know, they actually do look pretty good, right. you know, with the two kids together in the backcourt. But, but yeah, I just think it's just such a messy mix. Um, something to keep an eye on just for, for fans out there watching. Five more days for them to trade J.R. Smith. And mm-hmm. for a team to get off his his deal, uh, he is one of the few grandfathered in contracts where you can trade him for his full uh, cap amount of fifteen point seven million, but he's only guaranteed for about three point seven. So you can trade that off, and then a team could waive waive him for about twelve million in savings. I will be stunned if by the thirtieth of June, when he is due to guarantee, if he has not been traded and waived by another team. Yeah, yeah, I think that's got to happen. It's one of their their chips that they have. They can absorb some salary, maybe take something on, get something out of it, and then let another team wave J.R. Smith. So that would be one way to, to go about improving their roster for the future. And I'm looking at this at this squad, and look, we agree this season's going to be bad, but 
maybe that isn't necessarily a bad thing because like I said, their pick is top 10 protected this year. So you don't want them to be too good because they want to have their first round pick this next season. Otherwise that pick's gone. So you want their, their top 10 protected first to instead convert to second rounders. So they hang on to their pick this year and then their books get pretty clear after that. You have a lot of these contracts drop off. You know, J.R. Smith, you're going to be getting rid of him. Tristan Thompson, uh, you've got Brandon Knight's contract is on there. Jordan Clarkson, uh, who is a useful player, but his contract will drop off. John Henson, all these other players, Della Vadova, right? All these contracts will drop off. I think by then, if you add another asset this summer, you suddenly start seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. That I mean, so I, I think yeah. that it could get a little better. No, absolutely. I'm with you. And I think what's important here is I'm not at all critical of some of the things they did. I thought they made great moves last year to take on the salaries for Brandon Knight and John Henson. I think those were good moves. Um, and then also uh, Matthew Delvadova. Though those are all perfect. You know, that's what you should be doing. Eat, eat bad salary right now. But what I want them to be cautious of is don't, you know, no more than maybe two years of bad mm-hmm. salary. Because you go beyond that, now you're really starting to mess things up, hopefully as your kids are growing into their own and starting to become players. So I think you just want to be cautious uh, about how you approach that going forward. But I think, think the Cavs are doing the right thing. And, and I'm with you. One more bad year. It's not the end of the world for them. Helps clean everything up. But I do I do think that they'll find a love trade, uh, if not this summer, by the trade deadline at the latest. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, so let's move on here. Let's we'll pick up the pace a bit. The Detroit Pistons. Let's let's get into them. They draft uh, Siku Dumbaya, whose name I'm almost certainly mispronouncing, but uh, Dumbuya. Uh, <laughs> that's fun to say. So yeah, they right? they draft him. I, I like the upside and, and the potential there. So no no issues there. Uh, you look at their roster. I mean, it's it's pretty set. It's pretty much it is what it is. They're locked into it. I think they could potentially be a playoff team. They're relying a lot on Blake Griffin, but um, but there's nothing here about the Pistons that really blows me away. I'm not super excited about their future, but I don't think they're going to be a lottery team. It, It looks to me like kind of the the quintessential treadmill team for the moment anyway. Yeah, which is really tough. They they they've got to be hoping that that Dumbuya becomes this big time player, you know, for them. I do think he slid a little further than people thought in the draft. So hopefully they've got something there where where he's going to grow into being a big time player. I did like the Tony Snell acquisition. They they sent John Laurel for Snell mm-hmm. uh, right right before the draft, and then they traded the thirtieth pick away for I don't know a hundred second round picks or something like that from the Cavs <laughs> and and a whole bunch of cash. So so th- those are fine. I think Snell will help them. They they need wing players, and you know, and kind of in a really bad way in Detroit and I think Snell you know injury plagued rough year with Milwaukee but you know I think he's going to be fine for them but yeah I'm with you I just don't see much of a path forward for these guys because they're really capped out now this coming summer this is where it gets interesting. There'll be a team, I think, to keep an eye on, too, at the trade deadline because if there's an injury to a point guard and if their season's not going so great, maybe they move Reggie Jackson. Right. and bring, expiring bring back, after this yeah, year. Exactly. Expiring contract. Andre Drummond could be an expiring contract because he's got a player option mm-hmm. for not this coming season but the one after. So that'll be kind of interesting to see where it goes. But I'm with you. I think the Pistons are pretty firmly stuck right where they are. They'll be right in the mix for the playoffs. No higher than maybe six at the very best and probably no lower than – 10th at the very worst. All right. So that's the Pistons. Let's move on to the Indiana Pacers, who, um, you know, I thought they made a tremendous move uh, within that trade with the Suns. I mean, they pick up TJ Warren basically for free, who I think is a better player than people give him credit for. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I think it was uh, a move for the Suns where 
we'll, we'll obviously spend some time on them oh, when we talk yeah. to Western Conference team. But very confusing what whatever in the world oh. they're doing there. Yeah. But not only that, but they got a pick with Warren too, which seemed, seemed really weird. It was like <laughs> Phoenix was – how is this possible? Like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Phoenix was desperate to dump it, and I was almost I like, all right, I can get behind it because it looks like they're clearing clearing the decks. They're going to make a big run in free agency. Then later in the day, they take on money for Sarch and Baines, but we'll save that for the Suns. Yeah. For, for the Pacers, I, I think Warren's going to be really good for them. Talk about another guy, score the ball. You know, play either forward spot for you. You know, that's really important. That gives them a little more versatility than what they've had in the past couple of years. I think that's going to be important. I think you are looking at right now, they're, they'll do, they're going to do other things because they've still got a whole bunch of cap space to spend. But but they've, they're looking at a three uh, or starting front court likely of Turner, Sabonis, and Warren. And I think that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No you know, maybe there. they bring Bogdanovich back and maybe some that pushes Sabonis to the bench and they play with Warren. I think Thaddeus Young is gone. Yeah, I do too. I, I, I just think it's it's probably time yeah. too for Thaddeus Young to go somewhere else. I think I think he'll have offers from, you know, teams that are really close to contention. You know, and I, quite frankly, I'd love to see him be a guy who gets a shot at a ring because yeah. I think he's been one of the more underrated players for a long time. But, but yeah, I like Warren for, for them a lot. I th- think he's going to do well scoring. I liked the draftee, uh, Goga Patadze. I think he's going to be a good player in the league. He's um, seven foot two, I believe, and can really block some shots, do some things inside, get a little bit of range on his jumper, get good form. It looks like he'll be able to extend that out. So I think that's a good guy to play behind Turner. He, just needs, he needs to take that that picture that went around that went viral of him sitting and, and <laughs> while the reporters are all circled around Zion Williamson, I know, he's right? sitting by himself and no one's paying any attention to him. He needs to print that out, put it on his mirror, and stare at it for like a solid five minutes every morning. Just for extra motivation and he's going to turn into a monster yeah man that, that's exactly what he should do and i made him a little taller than he is he's about seven feet tall so so my bad on that but, still really but yeah tall. but I, yeah still really <laughs> tall yeah considerably taller than me um but yeah i think yeah i'm with you man yeah dude do that you know use that draft uh presser you know idea where you know everybody cares about zion nobody cared about me but but yeah overall for the pacers i like what they did they're a team that i think is going to be in the d'angelo russell mix i yes. think he makes yeah. a lot of sense for them they even when oladipo gets back they fit well together in the backcourt and obviously helps bridge the gap for the first about half of the season while Oladipo is still recovering and not going to be ready to play. Gives him a score. He fits the timeline of the team pretty well too. So that's that's a team I would really be in favor of them, you know, spending a lot of money to go get D'Angelo Russell. Where and, and I'm not necessarily it's not that I'm against Russell. I just don't know about his fit with a lot of other teams, but I think his fit in Indiana is great. Yeah, I think he would fit fit well there and Darren Collison and Corey Joseph they're they're starting in backup point guard right now are both free agents so they're going to need to go find somebody even if it's not D'Angelo Russell they'll need to find somebody to hop into that spot but I do agree that Russell will be a nice fit I like Aaron Holiday for the future I don't know if you can hand over the starting job to him uh, at the moment I think that would be a little bit a little bit premature Uh, all right moving on next team we've got taking our talents to South Beach Miami Heat (laughs) yeah they didn't do much at the draft and they are completely capped out um Tyler Harrow, Hero, however you say that, I 
you know, he'll be fine for them. I think, I think he fits in their culture as far as a guy who's tough, hard worker. I think he's going to be pretty good for them. I like Casey Akpala in the second round. I think he's a guy who some, some teams had a first round grade on. So I think he, he'll be an interesting guy too. I don't expect a lot out of them out of him rather, because they've got a lot at his position. I don't even know how much to expect out of hero next year. Again, a lot at that spot, but the, the heater, you know, Dragic and Whiteside both opted in, so they're going to be on the books no matter what. Next season now, they're going to look to make moves. They've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players making over $10 million on the on the roster next season. Yeah, that was when they did not get Gordon Hayward. They pivoted to, fine, we'll just keep all the guys who yeah. kind of came here, you know, turned their careers and, around. And they made and that, a run with It was just guys. rough. And they, and they did. It's just again talk about like like the Pistons, limited upside there. You know, yeah. they just, they're healthy. They they can be a playoff team, but overall, I just I, I don't really see it with Miami. And this year, you don't you don't have the um the the Dwayne Wade, uh you know um fun, fun uh Retirement sorry um, yeah exactly you know that that fun going around and I apologize. So let's let's break in with a little bit of news from Mark Stein. Oh. He is now scratched stealth. From, from the vocabulary, and it says Boston and Dallas are at the front of the line that we're trying to lure Kemba Walker oh, away from Charlotte. I see that. So, yeah, it makes, makes a lot of sense. Dallas, I wow. can't tell you how much I love that fit. Yeah. For the, I think that would be phenomenal. That, that, we, it would be yeah. an amazing fit for, for the Dallas yeah. Mavericks. I mean, to add yeah. him to, to Luka and, and Kristaps Porzingis, my goodness, that would be, gosh, the West keeps getting tougher. And then Sham Sharania, right on the heels of that, reports the Mavericks will give Porzingis a full five-year max deal, which was wow. to be expected yeah. when they acquired To be him. expected, but still. Yep, yep. good to know that that's coming. So, again, we'll do Mavs when we get to the Western yep. Conference. So, so back to the Heat. This is a waited-out year. You know, do the best you can yep. with all these guys in the books. If you can clear any of these salaries off the books and clean clean things up, get under the tax line fully, make sure you uh, aren't taking on salaries for next year, then now all of a sudden you're right back into being one of the power players in the league. Yeah, and the size of these salaries are actually fairly tradable yeah. if, you, if they're able to get into the trade market, if they're they're so inclined to make a move. But they may want to just wait it out and see how things go. You know, Hassan Whiteside, his contract will expire. He didn't pull a Harrison Barnes and actually picked up his player option for $27. <laughs> million which makes a ton, a ton of sense so the heat just kind of are what they are right now kind of similar to the situation that the detroit pistons are in all right and well, one other thing oh, yeah. sorry to keep an eye on with the heat ryan yeah. anderson he is on the second biggest contract right down about 21.3 million mm-hmm. but he is only guaranteed for a little over 15 million yeah. he will be waived if he's not traded uh prior to that in trade he would only count at the 15 million but he will be waived and that's their big move that that's going to get them well under the uh tax line as they save six million there on on anderson all right, good point. So let's move on to the next team, the home of the MVP now. Giannis Antetokounmpo playing for the Milwaukee Bucks. They've got some spending to do this summer. Had a real nice team, but now they've got a number of their own free agents that they're going to have to take care of. Yeah, they absolutely do. And what they're doing here, I think the John Lore trade, while they save some money immediately be with Lore and Snell, I would not be surprised at all if they take Lore's $9.7 million and they wave and stretch him. Mm-hmm. Uh, how that works, Just I always like to do the education piece as part of the show, is you can stretch a contract over twice the number of years left plus a year. So one year left for Lore, so that's two plus one, so three years. So you spread that $9.7 million, a little over $3 million a year. 
of a cap hit there. So that'll be something I would expect to see the Bucks do if they need that little bit of extra space. And part of the reason they need to do that, they don't have any sort of rights to offer Brooke Lopez any kind of bump right. over what he made last year. They need you cap know, space. That's it. So they need cap space to be able to do that. Unless Lopez says stay over the cap, and I'll take the full uh, non-taxpayer mid-level, you know, nine nine million or so, and, Which, and do that. And like triple what he made this last season. So triple what he made, but probably three four million under what he could make. Yeah. I think on the open market with another team. But Lopez is a different kind of guy, you know, from with the Lakers. Yep. Fit and being happy is really important to him. And, and I think he found a home in Milwaukee. So I do think you're going to see him, you know, likely stay there, uh, right, right, stay right with the um, with the Bucks and run that forward. Then Malcolm Brogdon, restricted free agent. Somebody's gonna would not be surprised if somebody forces Milwaukee's hand. Somebody's There's gonna a test him with that one. Sheet. Yeah, exactly. Because Brogdon again, good player, 50, 40, 90 guy last year. Um, you know, which is really impressive. You know, really shot the heck out of yeah, the ball. Played really, really well. Good playmaker, good defender. Play either guard spot. You know, good there. And then Chris Middleton opted out. He's he's going to be right around in that max range. He's getting that. I Somebody's think. giving him the max. If the Bucks don't, yeah, I think someone, someone will offer it. That's it. Yeah. And again, let's go back to if you miss out on uh, Kevin Durant to the Nets. Call it Chris Middleton. Oh. Do do the Knicks go Chris yeah. Middleton and say, you know, we can bring him in here. I don't know that that's the best move for either one of those teams, but you know, it's okay. I think the guy who probably gets squeezed out is George Hill. I think he's gonna. Well, I don't think he's gonna get waived. Yeah, he's that, on that the eighteen books. million. What is it? One million of that One eighteen million. is guaranteed. So there's no way they're paying him eighteen million next season. So they're gonna. Yeah, I want to save seventeen. Yeah, no. but that doesn't mean I think there's a chance he's back. I think they waive yeah. him. He takes his one million guarantee. They re-sign him for two or three million, and and off we go. And, and then Nikola Mirotic, I think he might might be gone. I, I, I think that was a good deadline acquisition, but you've got Orson Ilyasova. Those guys are somewhat similar. That becomes now you're really saying if we're re-signing him too, you're going to be a tax team, and I just don't know that that's the right move for Milwaukee. No, you look at this roster. Somebody's got to go. Right, they can't yep. keep all of them, and I think Miritich is the odd man out. I think he's the one that they wind up losing. Maybe someone gets them to blink on Malcolm Brogdon, maybe, and that's if they really overpay him. Otherwise, I think he would be back. To me, looking at this and the way their whole lineup is set up, Miritich makes the most sense to be the guy that winds up somewhere else next season out of all these guys that they have open. Yeah, absolutely. And then we didn't talk about their draft pick because they didn't do anything in the draft. No. They traded away when they uh, dumped Snell onto the uh, uh, Pistons for John Lowe. Yep. All right. So let's move on here to the New York Knicks. The Knicks, who pretty much did exactly what we thought they were going to do. They, they drafted R.J. Barrett at number three, but now their situation looks way different than what we were expecting uh, just a few months ago. We thought that they were going to be a landing spot for Kevin Durant. We thought that they were going to potentially uh, be landing KD and Kyrie, and now it doesn't look like any of that is happening in New York. What do they do from here? How do they pivot? Yeah, $70 million in cap space is going to be burning a hole in their pocket. And I said the other day on Twitter, it looks like they may be the team that's left out in the cold. And I would not overpay for tier two, tier three guys. It just doesn't make sense. They've done that in the past, and it always comes back to bite them. So what I would do is keep keep all the kids. You know, build around those guys. You know, Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox, R.J. Barrett, the guard, the young guards, Smith, Nilakina. You know, see what you got there. Really, go out. If you're terrible again, you're terrible again. I would use some of that space if you can find an undervalued group of guys like a Middleton, and maybe steal them away for a little less than the max, or Tobias Harris, or something like that. I wouldn't be surprised if they eventually we hear them mentioned for Kemba. 
Walker. Kemba's a New York native, right. so is Tobias Harris. So, so I wouldn't be surprised if you hear them mentioned on those guys. That that could be what happens. But but if you don't get it, do almost what the Lakers did this last year, right? Roll over the space. One year roll, deals. roll it over. One year deals. Doesn't matter how big they are because it's only a one year deal. Maybe you turn those guys into tradable pieces in in the season. You know, maybe you get some of these guys and they could be that team as you you know because you you've heard me say it a bunch of times. Two hundred guys are going to hit free agency at the end of the week here, and fourteen teams with cap space. Those fourteen teams, they're probably going to use a lot of that space on one or two guys. A bunch of those teams, at least. So there's really not all that much there's gonna be a lot of really good bargains so if you're a team like the knicks you could sign five six guys for seven eight nine ten million a piece and then have all those guys as really nice trade pieces going into the trade deadline which then would allow you to get further assets build up your asset base and do all the they really kind of run it back and do it all over again a year from now yeah and i'll tell you what looking at this free agency class there's going to be the max guys are the max guys and then you're going to get some teams that are going to panic when they don't get a max guy and they're going to overpay someone who shouldn't be getting anywhere near yep. a max contract. Some of the, the top guys of, say, Tier 2 or Tier 3, we're going to wind up with some bad contracts. I think that's going to happen, and the Knicks have to make sure they're not one of them, that they don't don't panic at the fact that they're not getting the guy that they want. And like you said, they need to wait it out a little bit. Okay, wait until day four or day five of free agency when suddenly the money starts drying up and that's when they need to strike and land some some fairly team-friendly deals for some of these guys because then maybe those are pieces that you can flip via trade. Now, that's that hasn't been the Knicks' MO historically. Historically, they've gone after guys and overpaid, and, uh, and it's been a mess. But hopefully this will be a turning point for them and they can, uh, they can build around R.J. Barrett kind of generate some good publicity over the next uh, next year, uh, even though they thought they were going to be getting a lot of top players this summer. doesn't look like it's going to happen, but they can be a player again next summer as long as they're smart with their money right now. Yeah, absolutely. That's what it's all about. You just can't – you can't – Walk into three, four guys for you know fifteen, sixteen, seventeen million, and that's how you spread your space around because that's when you that's when it gets messy, and those are those become the deals that you're gonna have to pay to move down the line. All right, so let's move on to the Orlando Magic, uh, Keith, your your hometown team. What yeah, did you think it. about the the Magic, their draft moving forward? Um, what did what do they have? Yeah, you know Ch- Chuma Okk is the guy they drafted, kid out of Auburn. You might remember had you know uh, nice uh, season and then tore his ACL mm-hmm. during the NCAA tournament. Very unlikely we'll see him on the floor this season. He's probably going to take a full rehab year. But if you're the Magic, what you need to do is you need to find a way to get stars um, here because you're probably not going to be able to pay for stars. Um, it's not the once once Orlando is seen as this major destination, right. uh, no state tax here in Orlando, obviously fantastic weather uh, for the vast majority of the basketball season. And that was seen as a big draw for people, but they've been kind of forgettable. Playoff run should help some, you know, remind people they do play here and they played pretty well. So I think that's going to be important. But I think what you're running into with Orlando and why they drafted OKK is because this is your chance that maybe this guy becomes really, really good. And he slipped to you in the draft because of the torn ACL, and that's where you can get get, get with it. So I think, I think that's the goal here is then give him a development year or two behind Gordon and Isaac, right. and then you find out what you got going forward. But the real story of the offseason is going to be Nikola Vucevic yep. and Terrence Ross. What happens with those two guys? Because you know, Vuce, an all-star, Ross, uh, I personally think should have got more love in the six-man-of-the-year voting. Um, I don't think he got enough. But though those those guys are huge. But if you're Orlando, 
you're probably on the fence of huh, how much can you commit to those guys? Four year deals of, you know, 20 plus million for Vooch or 15 plus million for Ross. That starts to get a little tough to, to work around down the line. Yeah, that's going to be the challenge for them. You know, Vucevic, obviously, he improved his defensive game. That was always the knock on him, and he got at least passable on the defensive end last last season, his ability to stretch the floor out to out to the three-point line. He's going to be, look, center isn't going to be a, a major um, target for a lot of teams out there. Right now, we see a lot of teams that are, are de-emphasizing the center position, and there's going to be a number of different cheap centers on the market. But still, teams that are looking for a top-flight guy are going to look at Vucevic. So you got to wonder if there's going to be a little bit of a bidding war there for the Orlando Magic to deal with. And then you mentioned Terrence Ross, who is, I think he's better than anybody even realizes, better than he gets gets credit for, certainly, because he can not only come off the bench and shoot, and by the way, he launches threes at a rate that is similar to, uh, to Paul George, to Kemba Walker, to D'Angelo Russell. His nickname is the Human Torch for a reason. This guy <laughs> get, gets out and just starts firing them up, but he's actually pretty efficient at it and he can play out of the pick and roll. His advanced metrics in handling the ball in pick and roll situations are pretty high. So he's not just a shooter off the bench. He's not just a scorer. He can actually operate an offense a little bit. And so because of that, I think he'll be in high demand too. He can switch p- between the two and the three. So if you're Orlando, if you go and you spend a bunch of money on those guys though, are you kind of locking yourself into the team as it is, which isn't quite good enough, and then you suddenly are facing the same position that say, the, the Hornets are in, or maybe the Pistons, not quite as bad of a situation as the Hornets. That's kind of the, the decision that the Magic have to make. Do they want to lock into this team and pay the money for, for guys like Ross and Vucevic, or do they go another direction? It's going to be really interesting to see how they approach this. Yeah, and here's your challenge is, Vooch, you have Mo Bamba behind him, who right. you drafted ideally as the center of the future. So you can't lock in much more than a year or two for Vooch because you know, you're hoping by then Bamba's developing and he's ready to take over. With Ross, it's it's fine, but unless you're a really good contending team, you can't afford to pay a ton of money for a six-man. That becomes sort of a luxury right. you know, to, to have, and that, that's a you know that's kind of a worry there is, you know, you, you know if you if you've got Terrence Ross at 10 million, you feel pretty good. You've got him at north of 15, starts to get a little shaky. You got Ross at or Vooch at 20 million. All right, not the end of the world. You get him, you know, 25 or more. Again, starts to feel a little shaky. My thing has been with the Magic is, they should try to thread the needle here. Pay them whatever you want to pay them for one or two years. You know, I don't even care if it's a massive overpay. Give them both max contracts. You know, as long as it's just one or two years, because that's not going to hurt you. By the time those are over. Bomba should be developed. You're going to know what you have in Markel Fultz, who's you know progressing and rehabbing. Yeah, we we forget that they've got Markel. I mean, Mark, former right? number one overall pick, Markel Fultz. Absolutely. Who, they, did he remember yeah. how to shoot yet? <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll find out. We'll we'll see what it looks like come training camp because that seems like it'll be the first time that we're going to actually see him play basketball. So so we'll see. But but yeah, it looks like the Magic are you know they're they're kind of stuck in a spot but one thing i definitely want to say is a lot of people say oh well they're the magic they'll do stupid stuff and overpay guys old front office old front office old front office that front office mm-hmm. is long gone everybody almost everybody associated is gone the guys that are there now is they have a vision they have a path they're going to make the decisions that they need to make to to keep this team good competitive they don't want this playoff playoff run that they made last year to be just a one-time thing they want that to be let's get that moving forward and then let's take the step forward, win a few games, win around, and you know, see how far we can climb with this group. 
All right, so let's move on to the Philadelphia 76ers, who got caught a little bit in the draft. It, it became known that they wanted Matisse Thybul, and, uh, and the Celtics were able to take advantage of them there. And they've got some interesting decisions to make with Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris here in free agency. So uh, things are, could certainly look very, very different for the 76ers just next season. After last year, they were expected to be perhaps a contender in the Eastern Conference. What happens from here? Do they just run it back, or, or where do the Sixers go? Yeah, I think the best option for them is to run it back. I think that's that's the idea is you you resign Butler, Harris, Reddick. If you're resigning Harris, you got to resign Boban because I don't think those two are ever going to play on a team without the other one at this point. Um, so so to you got, yeah, that's it, man. <laughs> Bobby and Toby. You got to gotta go that way. And then I think your goal from there is fill out depth the best you mm-hmm. can. Again, I go back to a million free agents this summer, not a ton of money. You should be able to find some pretty good bargains. I, I think that's the best approach for them. Now, you got to be careful with Butler. He's a grumpy dude, so you offer him a contract that, that isn't maybe the full max, you're running the risk of upsetting him. And then at that point, if you do that, are you going to, you know, Potentially be willing to lose him, you know, because because you 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 insulted him and you made him angry. We'll have to see. You know, I think Harris. The question is, is he worth a full max or not? That's something you got to really decide because that one could come back to bite you down the line. But I think you're probably going to have to because I think somebody else will if you won't. That's just it. I think somebody out there will give it to him, and I I can't even say which team it's going to be. There's a number of teams out there that have cap space, but I think somebody gives him the max. And then the pressure is going to be on Philly to decide what they want to do. Absolutely, and that's and that's going to be the same thing with with Butler. Is I've heard people say, well, they should only give him the full four year max that he could get from another team, and not go to the full five year deal. But again, with Butler, he might look at that and say, hey, you can give me more. You better right. give me more. Yep. Yeah. You know, so we'll we'll see where that goes. I think Reddick's basically a lock to return, unless somehow Butler and Harris both leave, and it looks like they're not going to be very good. Then I think Reddick goes. That's on, quite honestly, I think that's the far more interesting scenarios. Mm-hmm. If Butler and Harris leaves, they've only got four guys under contract right now, <laughs> which is insane. It's yeah. Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Zaire Smith, and Jonah Bolden. And that's it. You can throw a Thibel in there too because of the being the first round pick. But so five guys. That's you know crazy at, at this point. So a lot of roster spots to fill, and I think most of it's going to be filled by bringing back their own guys. Yeah, and they they pretty much have to be, given their cap situation. If they lose, let's say they they keep Tobias Harris, let's say they keep him on a, a max deal, but Jimmy Butler goes somewhere else. It's not like they can go hit free agency and replace him with anyone. Not that there's another Jimmy Butler out there, but even if they wanted to. The money's not there. There's no way to really replace that contract. Yeah, that's the tough thing. They 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 can get to a whole crap ton of cap space, but but that means Butler and Harris and Reddick and all these other guys yeah, are go. off the books, and that's probably not going to happen. So I think once you get to that point, is you you've got to really kind of build it out and see see where you're at. And I think you know I think you almost resign yourself to the fact with Butler of we're going to give him the max deal, two years in he's probably not going to be happy. He's going to want to go somewhere else, and we'll deal with it then. Yeah. Could you do, you know, the, the rumor that's been going around is that the Warriors are going to offer Durant a contract, a, a max contract, and let him rehab on their dime, basically, and then and basically say to him, look, sign this contract, come when you're playing again, if you still, if you want to go somewhere else, we promise we'll trade you somewhere of, of your choosing. Uh, could you do something like that with Jimmy Butler? Say, look, 
we're going to give you this deal. And if, if something happens down the road, we will do our best to trade you. We'll include that as an incentive for you to stick with us. Yeah, let's be clear. This is not something you can write into no, a contract. No, it has to be verbal. This is a, yeah, this is yeah. a wink-wink, like, hey, we'll take care of you. Sure, you could do that, I think. I think, though, again, you run the risk of, like, I think because of Duran, it's a very unique situation mm-hmm. because of the injury. I think you could have Butler kind of come back to that and say, wait, why? Why would I want out? Why would <laughs> yeah. you want to trade? You know, and it, and it Are could you just saying you want to trade me? So, <laughs> yeah, but I, th- I think it's pretty implied of – Hey man, if this goes south, like Chicago did it, Minnesota did it, like we'll 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 move you along mm-hmm. too. Okay, so let's uh, let's head over to the champs, Toronto Raptors. Unbelievably, the NBA champion, Toronto Raptors. I mean, it. I, we don't even really need to say all that much. It comes down to Kawhi. Where, what does yeah. Kawhi do? Does he stay in Toronto, or does he go somewhere else? Because it, their whole outlook changes all depending on where Kawhi Leonard winds up. Yep. Yeah. Kawhi leaves. They, they can't do anything to replace them. They, they don't have any cap space because they're, you know, when, when you look at it, you got Marcus Hall, 25 and a half. Serge Ibaka, 23.3. Did he officially Kyle Lowry, pick up that option yet, Gasol? Gasol hasn't picked it up, yeah, but, but he's going, but he's to, going to. Yeah, like, yeah he, he's got a couple more days. I think the 27th is his date to pick that up. We're recording this on the 25th. Um, and happy birthday to my wife, who she doesn't listen to this. But anyway, I'll say it anyway. <laughs> happy birthday. Um, you know, <laughs> right? And then Norman Powell on the books for 10. Mm-hmm. Fred Van Vliet for 9. Then you've got thinking about it. This is Siakam's last year coming up on his rookie scale deal. You got to pay him going forward. So you're really in a tough, tough spot in the immediate and the long term. Now, obviously, if Kawhi comes back, you happily pay the luxury tax because, as I've heard it put, they've got money coming out of their ears up there in Toronto. The mm-hmm. Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment Group. They they can pay whatever. It doesn't really matter. And obviously, you pay to keep the champs together. Keep a guy like Kawhi who's in the right. prime of his career. You really figured out how to keep him rested and able to play and make it through the whole grind of a, a season but yeah it really is it's that simple for them this this summer it all comes down to Kawhi if he if he goes they're gonna take a big step back they're probably still a playoff team but you know you're talking a you know three four seed versus a one two seed and you know then, then where you at if you lose them you know then Lowry's there keep, keep an eye on Kawhi maybe only signing a one plus one deal there yeah, aligning yeah. his future with Lowry and Ibaka and Gasol and seeing, you know, all right, hey, maybe it doesn't go. It isn't the fairy tale it was this year. We don't win the championship, so we'll, you know, I can, we can break up and move on from each other later. So well, we'll and, see. And this is why the Kawhi deal was such a home run for the Raptors. Not only were they getting a good player, who, remember, was coming off of an almost season-long injury. So you weren't totally sure what Kawhi you were getting this season for the Raptors. But it's because Kawhi is expiring, if he if it doesn't work and he decides that he's going to leave, you now have the ability to pivot into a teardown mode. Now, maybe not that you added the salary of Marcus Gasol and you've done these other things in order to really push to contend, but that was the position that the Raptors put themselves in. They put themselves in a spot of flexibility where now you've got an expiring Kyle Lowry. If Kawhi leaves, could you perhaps move him somewhere else if you decide that you just clearly don't have the pieces? Could you move on from him? Could you move on from an expiring Marcus Gasol? You're going to have opportunities to break things up if you want. You're going to have that flexibility, and that's the, the added benefit of flipping DeRozan for Kawhi beyond just what they provide on the court. Yeah, and my my guess is you make you make one more run at it with you know you just plug 
OG and Anobi mm-hmm. into the starting yeah. five or or Norman Powell. I my my guess is they're still gonna try to re-sign Danny Green. He he was such a good fit there, but and they've already extended uh qualifying offers to Patrick McCaw and Nando DeColo. Um just want to throw that name out there because it is a you know fun piece of news. Not a lot of people probably remember him because he wasn't much as an NBA no. player. He's been gone for quite a while. But while he's been over in Europe, he's become one of the absolute best shooters in the world. This guy is an absolute knockdown shooter, can play the point guard spot or play off the ball, get good size. And he wants to make another run at the NBA before he gets too old. Raptors, you know, keep extending him qualifying offers because they've been helplessly capped out for a number of years now. So they keep extending him those qualifying offers and keeping them on the books, keeping them on the books. And they did it once again just the other day. I, I believe I was the one who reported it first. And what you're going to see is – that allows them the rights, but if, if he finds a deal somewhere else that they don't want to do, maybe they work a trade or right, yeah, something. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what it comes down to, but but just something to keep an eye on there. So, yeah, but it, it's about Kawhi to a far, 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 far lesser extent, Danny Green. You know, and then after that, we'll, we'll see what happens. All right, so let's finish with... Gosh, <laughs> you know, we were, we were ripping on the Hornets for being in a tough spot, but the Washington Wizards... My, I mean, this is why a Supermax deal can be so, so dangerous. You look at John Wall's Supermax kicks in this season. He's going to be making $37.8 million. Uh, their cap situation is not looking good. They've got a good young talent in Bradley Beal, but not a whole heck of a lot around that. I mean, look, their, their fourth highest paid player is Jan Mahinmi, uh, and he's making $15.4 million. Uh, Gosh, the Wizards are just in, in tough, tough, tough spot here. Yeah, it's uh, the factory of sadness there in Washington. It, it is hard. And, you know, and, and I don't want to make it all that we're busting on John Wall and that contract because of what happened with the, you know, torn Achilles and those no, kind of things. But the reality is that was a questionable happen, so. And, and that was a questionable deal before. Right. You know, Wall was one of those guys where it was like, uh, you probably had to give him that deal to keep mm-hmm. him and keep him happy. But is he worth it? I don't know. That's that. That was a that was a debatable point there. Hey, let's. I'm going to take a positive run at this, not for this season, because this season's probably going to be a mess. Okay. Um, you know, because Wall's going to miss most, if not all, of the season, and you're going to be Bradley Beal and who knows what else. Watch, I guess, Rui Hachimura, who they drafted in the first round. You yep. know, should be a good player. I I like him. I'm not beating them up for that pick the way some others are. Admiral Schofield, the guy they drafted in the second round, is a player a lot of guys yeah, like. That's fine. You know, hustle, energy guy. They you know, a couple contributors there. Um, Thomas Bryant really blossomed i think they'll do what they can to keep him as a restricted free agent he led the league in field goal percentage this year and also um took 93 pointers and hit like a third of them which is pretty good you yep. know still still leading the league in field goal percentage when you make 93s tomas sadaronski had his best year this past season he's a restricted free agent i think they'll keep him as well They'll field a competitive team, and a lot will depend on Bradley Beal really reaching those all-NBA levels. He was close this year. If he gets there, they're probably going to be be right in the mix for a playoff spot. But that's your absolute ceiling. But here's where I'll go really positive is wait it out one more year. You still have Wall on the books, but everybody's got a bad contract. You just got a big bad contract on the books because it'll be about $41 million mm-hmm. that year. But that's it. It's Wall and Beal and not much else. Yeah, that's you it. Know, now, it depends on what you re-sign Brian and Sadoransky right, for, yeah. you know, and those kind of things. But but it does clear up considerably after this year. So I'd expect them to, you know, be that team. Maybe they get in a mode where 
hey, we'll eat a little bit of salary. You know, if somebody wants to throw us a, a bad deal and you really need a backup big, we'll throw you Jan Mahimi. Maybe Dwight Howard makes it back and they can trade him down the line, which is, you know, kind of crazy how much of a forgotten player right? Dwight Howard is completely Yeah, yeah you don't even remember that he's yeah. on that he's on this team. Yeah, 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 he's almost really is just 5.6 million dollar salary slot. But, you know, they they it's just it's it's going to be bad, you know. So I guess go watch Bradley Beal do Bradley Beal stuff and the kids and hope that they come forward cuz that's the other thing. There's just not a ton of young talent, you know, behind these guys either. So it's it's going to be this another team like kind of I think of them a lot like Cleveland where it's probably going to be a pretty long year. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's going to be tough for them and you know what, looking at at moving forward, it's going to be tough for them to build with John Wall eating up that much of their of their cap space. Now maybe he comes back and he comes back at you know whatever percentage of what he was formerly, and he was a very, very good player, no question there. But for a guy who relied on his speed and athleticism so much, particularly to suffer an Achilles injury like that, uh, that that could spell trouble for him. So obviously we hope he comes back and he's, and he's a productive player again, but it's going to be tough for this Washington Wizards team to really rebuild with that anchor kind of, kind of holding them down. Um, but at the same time, like you mentioned, yeah, it does free up some space. I think the bottom line is that their margin for error moving forward after this season is just going to be zero because of how much cap space John Wall eats up. Yeah, absolutely. This is tough. And then remember, this team that's still working without a permanent general manager, yeah. Tommy Shepard, led things all the way through the draft. And, you know, maybe he maybe that's just what they do is they they go with him for a year. But this is a tough one there. There's a lot to work around there in Washington and not a lot to work with. That's why some suggest, you know, they should cash in on Bradley Beal, you know, train him, trade him, get that big package work, you know, through the wall contract as best you can and, you know, start building. But they're, I don't get any sense that they're going to do that. They have been pretty resolute and we're going to, we still intend to try to be good and we're going to keep Bradley Beal here and build around it. I, they, it wouldn't rule out returns for Bobby Portis and Jabari Parker either. Uh, Portis restricted free agent. I think he mm-hmm. fills a, a position of need at the power forward spot. And I think Parker, they declined his 20 million team option. That was just that was good a, business. Uh, yeah. Of course you're going to, you're going to decline that. But it, but I wouldn't be surprised if they resign him, you know, mm-hmm. a couple of years, ten million a year, something like that, you know, and bring him back there because I think he could help them, you know, to some extent there. It's just again, this is such a such a weird season for for Washington coming up. It's probably just going to be, you know, really really rough watch a lot of nights. I, I don't know how often I'll be, you know, teeing them up on league pass, <laughs> you know, and it's just you know again long, long season coming, and then maybe that's not the worst thing in the world to kind of bottom it out, get a good high draft pick, and and go forward from there. Yeah, I mean, look, as tough as their situation is, think about the situation the Brooklyn Nets were in years ago, and now look where they are now. Right? It's yep. not the eventually things get better. Right? Just right now, yep. things are tough on the Wizards down the line. They may be able to fix things. It's just going to take some major time for them to do it. Um, looking at the Eastern Conference as a whole, I still think it's pretty wide open. You know, the Toronto Raptors obviously have the NBA championship this season, and they're still going to be a strong team. But I don't think there's any team out there like the Warriors were, where teams were like, no, we're, you know, why bother building up a winner now? Let's kind of kick the can down the road for a few years and build later. I don't think you're going to see anybody doing that. I think you're going to see teams really gearing up to take shots at the Eastern Conference title. And, uh, and I think it'll be exciting. I think there's going to be some surprises here in the East this coming summer in uh, in free agency. Yeah, I think Milwaukee's going to be really good again. Yeah. You know, at Toronto, it all depends on Kawhi. 
Philly should be pretty good again. Boston, who who the heck knows what they're going to be? Indiana, I'm I've got my eye on Indiana. Yeah, I you know hopefully Victor Oladipo makes it all the way back and they're good. But I think that's why you might have your Brooklyn's willing to say, you know, we're going we're going to go in yeah. on these big guys and and make a run at this thing. You know, I think that's why teams like Orlando might be willing to say, all right, we'll we'll overpay you know Vooch for a couple of years and keep him here because that allows us to you know stay a playoff team and those kind of things. So yeah, yeah, the East. I mean, the NBA as a whole is super wide open. You can't yeah. if anybody looks at it and says these are the teams where one hundred percent are going to be meeting in the finals. It's just not there, you know, where I think this year you had a good number of people predict. Not a lot of people predicted Milwaukee right. being as good as they were, but a lot of people said Toronto or Boston playing Golden State. Yeah. You know, those were pretty much the two picks. Prior to that, it was Golden State versus Cleveland for, you know, a number of years running. So I think this year, though, this is what makes it fun is, you know, not only are there, you know, 200 free agents and half the league has cap space and all these big stars may be on the move, but we've also got a bunch of teams saying there's no inevitable team. There's no there's no Thanos out there that's <laughs> inevitable to, you know, to, to, to win the whole thing and in that. We obviously saw how that worked out for Thanos, too. It's, you know, inevitable only lasts for so long. Wait, wait, wait. So, so in that analogy, then, and just we're going to go way too in-depth into this, I know. But in that analogy, if the Golden State Warriors were, were Thanos, if they were inevitable, then the Raptors are potentially Tony Stark stealing the Infinity Gems and, and snapping Thanos' army into dust. But he had to sacrifice himself to do it. Is that your way of saying that Kawhi is leaving? Man, I <laughs> you sure blew my mind. This is, this is something that belongs on a Reddit. Board, but, but yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going. Thanks for for summing it up for the fans. No problem. No problem. <laughs> I'm here for all of the uh, the Marvel analogies. I, I oh, I'm here man. for it. Um, all right. So I think that was a pretty good breakdown of uh, of the Eastern Conference. We covered a ton here. Obviously, uh, tomorrow we'll dig into the Western Conference as we get ready for free agency. Keith, any any final thoughts before we get out of here? No, yeah, it's uh, looking forward to getting into the West because I think there's a ton of interesting teams mm-hmm. there too. I think think there's some teams that have been kind of playing around the margins a little bit. Now I think you might see these West teams really load up and say, why not us? Because I think there's a big sense that it's not going to be the Warriors for at least a year, you know, here as they kind of retool around, around their injuries. So yeah, I'm super excited to get in the West overall, just, you know, excited, you know, thanks for everybody hanging in there. I know we've had a ton of new followers on the Twitter account and it looks like we're picking up a lot of new subscribers. So thanks to everybody for your interest. This is going to be a really fun off season. I know, they speak for Trevor. We're both really excited to be in here breaking this down and getting into everything. You know, we're going to have a lot to talk about, you know, over at least the next few weeks and then summer league. And we'll have some impressions out of that and all sorts of stuff. So it's going to be a lot of fun going forward. Yeah, we're, we're just getting started. So it's super exciting, guys. Make sure you do rate, review and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can follow our show on Twitter. Uh, at front office show make sure you go follow us there you can follow me on twitter at trevor underscore lane follow keith at keith smith nba all right guys we'll be back tomorrow with a show on the western conference we'll be breaking all that down uh if you have any comments any thoughts go ahead and, and leave that in the review uh on apple Podcasts, or you can go ahead and comment on youtube if you're watching us there comment there or hit us up on twitter anywhere we always love hearing comments about the show guys thanks everybody for listening till next time see ya